We are back with another live episode as we get situated here. My name is Ben Milam. I'm here with my partner, Patrick McGee. Patrick, how you doing? Doing good. Uh, USM won, Saints won, so uh, pretty good weekend of football. Good weekend. All around, uh, man, that Saints game was uh, pretty wild. Don't think anyone expected that. But this is not a Saints podcast. That is correct. Yes. So uh, we'll leave that for another time. I don't want to chase anyone off. That's right. Um, okay, so first win of the Will Hall era. We, we talked about how this was going to be, uh, you know, more of a measuring stick game at least than, than most of these uh, FCS-type games are. So, yeah, first impressions from what you saw yesterday. Yeah, well, I, I think – the big story uh, was kind of the quarterback change after uh, the low injury, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, but uh, the first half was a, a little bit of a grind, a little bit of a struggle, or you weren't getting a whole lot of offense. And then in the second half, you saw things start to open up a little bit. Um, I think particularly the offensive line looked a lot better in the uh, second half. From, from yes. you know, my untrained out where you got one more push, uh, both run blocking and uh, pass blocking, uh, especially, you know, on the run run game, you started breaking off a couple big runs with Gore um, and Rashard. Both had big touchdown runs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the uh, first takeaway I had was just pretty good win, uh, you know, a little bit of a struggle early on. But, you know, overall, you end up winning 37 nothing. You end up covering spread pretty comfortably. Um and you saw some, uh, you know, I think, things you wanted to see from the team this week. Uh, defense looked really good. Um, you know, we kind of talked about uh, Grambling and how much of a passing game, um, just based on their opening uh, weekend against uh, Tennessee State. And, yeah, they didn't do much, you know, through the air or uh, on the ground. Uh, Grambling did, didn't. So, uh, uh, pretty good win overall. Some things to clean up. But uh, I think most people are uh, – Pretty pleased after yesterday. Yeah, I think after that that first half, we talked about how you know if there was any any kind of struggle or doubt, really at any point in the game, that's when the alarm bells would start going off. And I think I think somebody some people were getting to that point, and I I was getting close to that. Um, you know, when you you see Trey Low kind of limping off after only putting ten points on the board, which he was he was really not bad. I I wanted you know. Certainly mentioned. It. I mean, he was ten for thirteen with ninety-nine yards, which is not, you know, he's not blowing it out of the water, but he was efficient, and I thought he was going through his progressions well. And yes, it was a Grambling State defense, but I thought there was a significant jump in confidence in the way that he really just, you know, kind of managed that offense from what we saw a week ago, um, and. Really, in those three incompletions in the first half, he had, there were a couple of drops in there. So he was he was pretty good. I, I didn't think – you mentioned the offensive line was, was better in the second half. They weren't that great in the first half. Didn't think they gave him a whole lot of time. Um, didn't really allow things to develop um, or get enough push to establish the running game like they were trying to. Um, so, yeah, I think you go into halftime, and I think a lot of people were probably a little bit worried and then – Ty Keys, who people have been calling for, which is 
you know, I, I think understandable with as, as highly recruited as he was um, and as talented of a quarterback as he is. But, you know, even Coach Hall has talked about how you can't force a quarterback into the fray too early. You know, a young quarterback, we saw that. I think we saw that with Keon Howard. I think we saw that with Anthony Alford. Um, some people with some of those names there. but um, So that, that that's the concern with Ty Keyes. And really, those first two series were pretty ugly. Yeah, I mean, I think with Keys, is I think it's pretty obvious he's still a work in progress in terms of passing the football. Um, but I think what you know, like you're saying, he was a highly rated quarterback coming out of high school, and I think the thinking is, well, you know, long term he may have the higher ceiling. I mean, who knows? Right. You know, but I think people are kind of saying, well, let's throw him into the fire, see what he can do, and. If it's a rough year, at least you got him some experience. And at this point, you know, depending on this uh, severity of uh, Lowe's injury, you know, he may need to be or may sure. have to be um, thrown into the fire. But um, yeah, as far as you know, he's efficient. Like you said, he's ten to thirteen for ninety-nine yards, I believe, was mm-hmm. the uh, he had a touchdown. Yep. Um, I, I guess the thing that was maybe uh, upsetting people is just you know, I mean, not taking any deep shots. But I don't really think you're gonna take a lot of deep shots. But I mean, even. Keys, they tried taking a, um, a shot deep, and it was pretty well covered. I just, um, you know, if Keys can, um, I guess, get more experience on the offense for you, you can make it a little more complex. But right now, I don't. I think the passing game is going to be kind of these little, you know, intermediate to short uh, routes, and I don't think you're going to see a lot of big shot plays really with any quarterbacks on the roster, at least right now, uh, with. Uh, Low and then Key is still really young and uh, not really knowing the offense. Uh, right, just only being here a couple months. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Coach Hall is is the type of coach to to really water down an offense a whole lot. Um, I think he's going to throw a lot at Tykes. This is, you know, hypothetically, if he is the guy for the next one or two weeks, depending on the severity of the Trello injury, which I, I really am, and it is dependent, obviously, on how Keys performs when Trello is out. Um, but I think if Trey Lowe is healthy, I think he's the guy. Yeah, I think I think he would. Yeah, he will. He probably start um, if you know both have equal or close to equal health. Yeah. Yes, and well, yeah, and, and we. I mean, the gap was large and consistent throughout fall camp, and that's another thing is Tyke's. He gets here midsummer, so he's he's still not fully exposed to this offense of the system. In general, um, and so yeah, I think you're right. I think you'll see largely intermediate type passes and maybe the occasional deep shot because he he has good touch. Um, that one deep shot I think over the top you're talking about was to Brownlee where he was it was in double coverage. Right, right, right. Brownlee kind of broke off the route a little bit. I don't think was expecting it to come his way. I think if he finishes that route, and I also think if if Brownlee is healthy, which he's not 100% healthy, Coach Hall said that in his post game presser last night. Um, you know, I, I didn't think it was a bad throw at all. That throw to Caston at the end of the fourth quarter, that touchdown pass, I thought it was a great pass. Caston right. made a great play on it. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it'll be, you, you know, I, it, it's interesting because that we said that was the one thing to look for, all these questions at the quarterback position, specifically Trey Lowe, and, and now all of a sudden I, I feel like there are more questions than there were going into the Troy game. And again, that's dependent on what we hear on 
um, the severity of Trello's injury. I believe he's getting an MRI today, uh, possibly tomorrow, uh, just to see if there's any structural damage. But again, I thought Lowe looked better than a lot of people gave him credit for. Um, the one big thing that you can hang your hat on with Ty Keys, and hopefully it doesn't sound like I'm being negative about Ty Keys, because he's, the talent is obviously there. It's just a question of whether or not he's ready. Um, but, but the big thing you see with Ty Keys is even when that offensive line, when you have those breakdowns and you don't get the push, uh, the pocket collapses quickly, he's clearly got the feel for the pocket and the scrambling ability that Trelo doesn't have, Ty Keys does have. Yeah, and I, I didn't even really know he was that much of a scrambler at a high school. I mean, I knew he was, you know, pretty athletic, but I didn't know he had that kind of speed, um, the uh, strength and conditioning staff, or staff, they go on Twitter and they post the um, like the top GPS times for mm-hmm. practice and that kind of thing. And Keys has made at least one um, top, um, he was like 19 or 20 miles. I don't know. Yeah, he was the third or fourth fastest. Yeah, and I, I didn't scrimmages. realize he had that kind of speed. So I think, you know, we're talking about the offensive line struggle a little bit early on. I think that's something in Keys' favor where he really uh, brings you something um, in the run game, just the ability to improvise and scramble sure. uh, that Lowe does not have. And I think um, you really saw him make a couple big plays with his legs that kind of gave the offense a jolt mm-hmm. uh, there in the second half with his uh, running ability that, um, you know, Lowe's just not as fast as uh, Keyes is. Um, no, and it, it also opens things up. And I think that's, that's part of why you saw things open up for the ground game is you you have to key in on Keyes. Uh, that was unintentional. Um, and then, you know, you saw, I feel like the lanes just got a lot bigger for Frank Gore Jr. Um, and Dejon Richard um, because you have to respect Ty Keyes and his ability to run, um, which is, which is I think, the, the biggest question mark I think that goes to is you see somebody like Troy or really anybody in conference they're going to put seven in the box every single time until you, again, this is assuming Ty Keys is the quarterback moving forward. You are going to stack the box until he can prove that he's going to be able to throw the ball, which he, he can. I thought he made some good throws. He made the correct reads, I thought, most of uh, the times he dropped back. But, you know, yeah, well, this, I mean, you know, he had a couple throws, that one throw where he was running and he hit, uh, who was it that made the, the um just got the toe in. Uh, who was the, who made that kid? Marcus Jones on the sideline. Maybe, or? maybe so. Yeah. Um, so he saw throws like that. Um, there was another throw. Uh, hit a guy for a first down. But then you know he had a throw to I think it was Luke Baker where mm-hmm. basically Luke Baker in but walking touchdown yes. yep. low and um, made the, the correct read. Great, great play call. Just didn't make the throw. And there was you saw several of those where he just you know the, the throw missed. Right, he had another one, one hopped it. So it's uh, it's off and on at this point, which you expect from a true freshman quarterback right, right. making his first ever uh, appearance in college football. So, yeah, I think uh, at least early on with Keys, if he plays a lot, it's going to be, in terms of the passing game, he's going to have some ups, going to have some downs, and that's just kind of the growing pains you expect uh, from a young quarterback. Yeah, and I, I think that makes this uh, – it just throws a, a completely different dynamic into the season. Um, again, dependent on Trello's health, um, you know, we'll, we will keep a close eye on that. But if it is keys moving forward, then there's there's just so many different ways that it could go because he he has the talent to completely transform that offense. I feel like, and 
and open up so many different things. We've talked about how there's really a lack of a big-time playmaker playmaker in the passing game. Um, Brownlee can be that guy. Um, you know, when he gets to 100% health, I mean, he's not there, and I think you that's pretty obvious when you watch him. Um, but uh, Tykees can be that guy. And so I, I think you can, if you, it, it's not out of the question, I guess is what I'm saying, to for there to be a few more wins in your total if Tykees does play to his, you know, potential and, and gets a general grasp of the offense, which I don't, I don't think he's there yet. You know, we'll, you know, we will see. Um, if he is the start of this weekend, you get a week with the ones. Um, I, I think that's maybe a little bit overblown. You know, people talked about how Trello got a full week of preparation, and that's, you know, that is certainly a factor in him playing better. And you know, that's a different level of preparation. But you're also, you know, it's it's about grasp of the offense, I think. And um, you're going through largely the same scouting report, even if you're running with the twos. Um, but uh, so uh, yeah, so I think that's what you watch for in the Troy game is is can try, can Tykes throw the ball because Troy is certainly going to make you do that. Yeah, the, the thought I had kind of last night uh, and today was Keys at this point he he kind of reminds me of uh, Tate Wiley a little bit from his freshman year in 2018. Sure. Where he's limited in the passing game, but he can make plays um, through the ground game, can make plays with the legs. And you can win a bunch of games just if you if you have a, a really good defense, which that 2018 team had a you know, yes. fringe top 25 defense. When you look at like S&P Plus and that kind of thing, those you know arguably the best defense we've had since the 2003 mm-hmm. uh, conference championship team. So uh, yeah, I mean he, at this point, Keys, if he is what he is in the passing game, you know off and on and that kind of thing, it, it could be a situation where. You win a bunch of low-scoring games. He run, you know, he has a bunch of carries, mm-hmm. and yeah, he went a bunch of like 2017. Yeah, you see um, a, a lot of the option, which yeah. that's already a big part of the offense. Yeah, but you might see it even more. Uh, you know, it's I'm sure. Uh, I re- just remember when when Watley started those games and those games when he was probably throwing the ball 20 plus times yes. a game yeah. as a quarterback, which is uh, really high, obviously. Um, so. Yeah, but he I, did. If you go back to that, sorry, if you go back to that 2018 season, though, even with Wadley, you were in a position to win the division. Yes, yep. If that's right. I mean, if you instead of throwing that hail mary, you let Sean Field kick a 50 yard field goal or whatever it was, and you're in the conference championship, not UAB. That was right, um, right. that game of Legion until November. So man, that yeah, <laughs> that was uh, an infuriating game. That was that was buzzardry right there. Um, yes, and that was the game where like the Legion Field. Um, Legion Field internet or something went out, and the only way you could listen to it was, or the only way you could follow it was through listening to it and snap mm-hmm. broadcast. It was just, uh, yep. yeah, classic only Southern Miss type action. Classic. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that's a good. I think that's a pretty good uh, comparison. Tate Watley and Ty Keys. I do think Keys probably has a little more ability throwing the ball. Oh yeah, I mean long term, but yes. just like right now where he is in his uh, career. Sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't think that's a bad comparison at all, and I think. Uh, again, I, I don't think Hall really waters down the offense. I think you see a lot of the same schemes. We can talk about some of those personnel packages, um, but but I think you'll also see him. You know, he's talked about how he's he's going to take advantage of of what you know the offense is able to do well. He's not going to try to force things, and so that, and you know that's why you haven't seen as many 
you know, shots over the top in these last two games, which that's typically a big part of a Will Hall offense. Uh, but if you're not able to do it, he's not going to do it. And so I think the offense looks probably a little bit different than we expected it to with the personnel we thought we had, um, or at least the way things we, we thought things were going to work with that personnel. Um, so, yeah, you, do you want to talk about kind of what you saw as far as personnel packages Yeah, let me yesterday? So uh, just as a, um, I guess, to explain the personnel packages. So the way they work is um, it goes by how many running backs you used and uh, how many tight ends you used. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, 11 personnel would be one. The first one is for one running back, and then the second one is for one tight end. So you had 73 plays uh, run, and you run 11 personnel, so one tight end, one running back, about 58 of those 73 plays, 79% of the time for a 6.2 yards per play. And then you had 12 personnel, which is one running back, two tight ends for um, 10 play, 10 plays. That was 14% of the plays called uh, for 6.1 yards per play. And then you had 21 personnel, which is two running backs, one tight end, uh, two plays from that personnel package for 3% of the plays run. Uh, that for uh, just one yard, uh, I think that might have been. Uh, sorry, 22 personnel. Uh, th- these last um, two, I think, were at kind of late game, just kind of running off the clock. But yeah, 22 personnel, two plays run, three percent of the plays called. Um, or no, sorry, I, I had it. 21, uh, I think, was the neat, just kind of running out clock at the end of the um, at the end of the game. 22 was yeah, I think normal normal plays that were run. So yeah. 22, two plays run, three percent, 8.5 yards um, mm-hmm. play. And then you had one play run out of 13 personnel, which is one running back, three tight ends. That was a kneel down mm-hmm. um, so for 1%. So a lot of uh, 11 personnel is typically considered um, your base personnel, which is what most of your offenses run out of. I was looking at the um, different, um, a little different, but NFL um, had, I believe, 60% of plays called were an 11 personnel last year in the NFL. I mean, the NFL is different kind of game, but it, I mean, it has gotten a lot more similar uh, to college. So that's just kind of a, um, I guess, uh, to show you how often 11 personnel is called in the NFL is called a little over half the time, just as a comparison. So, um, but typically 12 personnel, 21, 22, those are all um, personnel packages typically where you run the ball. Uh, 10, which is when you have one running back and uh, zero tight end. That's typically passing uh, personnel package. Same thing with zero, um, zero, zero, which would be zero running backs, uh, zero tight ends, where you're lining up five wide, basically. Right. That's another uh, personnel package. And so, yeah, the, every personnel package uh, that was run had either a running back or a tight end. Um, so, yeah, it was mostly base personnel. And then when you ride a base personnel, it's typically um, in packages where you will run the ball most of the time. So I think uh, we talked about Hall kind of likes to uh, kind of a run first guy. So I don't think you'll see him run, run a lot of, uh, you know, zero, zero personnel or ten personnel or that kind of thing. So just, yeah, I, I post on Twitter. I may not be explaining this very good, but the, the uh, spreadsheet or Screenshot is on um, the Twitter feed if you want to look at it. So, uh, yeah, just kind of a breakdown of uh, how the plays uh, were called after watching the film yesterday. Yeah, and, um, you know, just talking about the running backs. Uh, first of all, you, you saw a lot of, you know, heavy personnel packages. And Darius Mayberry 
he's another, not sure, I haven't heard anything about the severity of his, uh, he went down in the fourth quarter, how serious that injury is. Uh, but Dejan Richard, I thought, flashed and feel like, you know, he's, he's probably, you know, he's, he's comparable as far as attributes to Frank Gore, but maybe, I mean, he's, he's a heavier back, uh, maybe a little bit more of a bruiser type back, um, not, not a typical bruiser back from Gore than, than Junior is. Uh, feel like they can be a pretty good one-two punch, as, I mean, they were yesterday. Right. Um, yeah, you just kind of feel bad for Mayberry. He's had so many injuries. Yes, yes. Um, during his uh, time here. But, uh, yeah, Gore, kind of the thought I had, Gore had a big game yesterday, was Gore, he's like an almost, I mean, this might be a stupid comparison, but he's like kind of like a Damian Fletcher, but like a plus version of Damian Fletcher with like closing speed, basically. Like super shifty, sure. but he's got that uh, little more speed than uh, the Fletcher has. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, the big thing with the running game, I think, is the scheme and uh, the offensive line. I think, honestly, that may be more important than the running backs themselves. Uh, yes, um, yeah. And that's kind of become, a, I think, in analytics where people say, oh, well, running backs don't matter. I mean, I don't know if you, if you go completely that far, but I think a big part of it is the scheme, your offensive line, um, you know, so you can give your running backs room. But, yeah, those two guys uh, had big, a couple big gains. I think Rashard had arbitrary. Rashard had 27-yard uh, touchdown run. Mm-hmm. Gore had 51, I think, 51 yards. Rashard, I think, finished with 76, 75, 76 total, 76. Yeah. Two carries, seven and a half. Yeah, so that's pretty average, both, yeah. both over uh, seven yards a game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, 292 uh, for, or as a team, 48 carries, 292. Um, let's say six, um, 6.1, is that what that mm-hmm. sorry, I can't really see. Well, yeah. But, yeah, so uh, – 220-plus with just Ford Jr. and Richard, which is pretty high quality if you can get that out of them. Yeah, so, yeah, like we were saying, second half, you really started to see that run came up and up a little bit. Um, once you start had to take into account uh, Keyes' running ability, um, really opened up the uh, run game. So, yeah. yeah, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what Troy comes out with. Likely they will, will go pretty heavy, <clears throat> pretty heavy in the box. Uh, lost 21-13, I believe, was the final score to Liberty yesterday. And Liberty, Liberty pretty high-quality uh, team. And to hold that offense to one score, I mean, that's they were projected pretty low, I think you mentioned, in the Sun Belt, but maybe one of those underrated teams with as much as they have coming back. Lost a bunch of uh, close games last year. Yes. Reading, uh, I think I mentioned last week, Bill Connolly. I've referenced this stuff a lot, but... He's like an ESPN football guru type Advanced guy. Advanced statistic. Yes. Yeah. His, his big thing, and you, you can go on Google and look at, but his success rate. So it's really, uh, a successful play is defined as if it's first and ten and you get five plus yards, it's counted as a successful play. And then if it's you know second and five and you get three yards, it's counted. And so he, his whole thing is success rate and then adjust it for um, – strength of schedule, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how he gets his S&P Plus um, metrics, which I reference a lot on here. Um, but Troy preseason was ranked uh, top 70 S&P Plus. I think certainly top half of Sunbelt would have been number two in COSA. And they um, they didn't really – let me pull that up. Uh, they didn't drop far. They actually they went way up in week one. Um, they are 59 and S&P Plus, which I think is the second toughest game on our schedule right now behind uh, 
behind Alabama. Wow. So, um, yeah, the, um, we'll see. Did UAB, UAB fell down quite, yeah, UAB fell quite a bit after Henry uh, Georgia. So, if, I mean, Troy, if right now, if you look just on what everybody's done so far, this could be the second toughest game of the year. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how things play out. But um, this is a type of game where uh, even though the Troy kind of had up, I think around 500 last year, um, tough game. And like you said, it, it is impressive that they only held or that they held Liberty at 21. Uh, Liberty has a quarterback. I think most people, most U.S. fans remember him. Yeah, kind of looked like uh, Dwight Dasher, the yeah. middle Tennessee quarterback that ran for 500 yards in 2009. But he, uh, he's a guy that could really uh, go up the draft boards um, this year with the big season. Yeah, um, and only threw it, only threw it 18 times, and it rushed it. 20 times, so 20 on the ground, 18 in the air. Uh, might see pretty similar approach with Ty Keys. Um, and, uh, you know, I, you know I, comparing Malik Willis and Ty Keys at this point, I think is a little bit of a stretch, but just uh, the balance of, of passing and, and rushing attempts might see something pretty similar. Um, yeah, that is, we've talked about how that's a trajectory game. And, I mean, if, if you can get that win, I think you'd feel endlessly better than you did, obviously, after last weekend. But just overall getting to that six-win mark and to bowl, bowl eligibility and as well as going into the to uh, the conference slate. And you wipe that Alabama game. That Alabama game doesn't matter uh, in the least. I mean, you know, the hope that, you know, for that trip to Tuscaloosa is just that you come out healthy. Um so, yeah, that that uh, that was. You know, that, a couple touchdowns to Mercer, though. <laughs> that's true. That, that is true, and so you know. I think uh, I think Saban just wanted to give up those touchdowns so we can have a reason to rain his press conference and get everybody focused for Florida. Maybe so. I'm sure that that's got to get boring. We've talked about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Troy, you know, very easily could have beat a really good Liberty team yesterday. Uh, that will be. A test, uh, to say the least. I think you know the defense is is really, I think, solidified itself as the strength of this team, uh, even through you know two games, limited sample size. Um, but Austin Armstrong, first two two games, you know, calling uh, on the sidelines a defensive game. Thought he's been fantastic uh, as far as schemes and how you approach um, approach. You know the offense on the other side of the ball. Um, I feel like you can take probably a little bit more from that South Alabama game as far as the defense. Uh, Grambling State, not you know we mentioned this last week. Uh, that I, that's a team that's going to compete for the SWAC, and they you know went 0 and 5 in the, in the spring season, this this most recent season because of COVID, and that's I, I feel like you you can't really hang a whole lot on that. Um, no. But that's a that's a program that I think they won three straight from 2015 to 2018 in the SWAC, and then finished second in 18 and 19. And so, I, and ex- probably expected to compete. And I think they will just from watching what they had on both sides of the ball, really, for the SWAC. And so that to get a 37 nothing win, I think you feel really good, especially to get a shutout. I feel like that's the biggest thing to take from this. Yeah, they've, they've had consistent success under that staff. I don't, I don't know if we mentioned last week, but their, uh, their head coach, Broderick Fobbs, he was actually mm-hmm. a receivers coach on that uh, 0-12 team. So, who knows? He, may, he probably was one of the best coaches on that, uh, so. on that 0-12 team. 
because they were. I, I I was impressed with Grambling State. I thought yeah. they were. I thought I they mean, were defensively. Uh, yeah, especially early on. Yes. Um, but yeah. yeah, they play. Uh, they play the Houston Cougars uh, this upcoming week. So I guess kind of comparing, kind of sure. see what they do against another FBS team. But uh, yeah, I mean, like we said, they played a lot of tech to twenty to fourteen mm-hmm. in twenty nineteen. They were up in like maybe multiple scores on Arizona in twenty sixteen. Arizona ended up winning thirty one twenty one, but that's still you know a little for a SWAT team alone by ten points to um, Pac twelve team, and that's pretty good result. Um, so yeah, yes. they've uh, they've certainly had a uh, pretty good run of it uh, under this uh, current coaching staff they had. So yeah, yeah. So uh, to me, overall. Good day. I thought it was a you know pretty good crowd. A little probably a little better than I expected. Don't you didn't have twenty five k in the stadium. No. But I mean, um, you know, I I think people need to be I, I guess a little realistic about the especially comparing comparatively to uh, I guess our you'd say our peer programs. I was looking at La Tech. I believe they announced fifteen k. Um, Coastal Carolina, who you know they're having. a Really become a, a great program. They had a Friday night ESPN game. I think they announced under twenty k. Yeah, eighteen. I think it was eighteen. 18 and that, was half, a, like that. that was a new um, new record for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So I think uh, I mean there was I don't think there's twenty five k in the uh, stadium, but I think you know when you compare our attendance to um, other similar schools, Conference USA schools, Sun Belt schools, I, I think we fare pretty favorably. Yeah. Um, you know, I think everybody's thinking, well, you know, we should go, we should, people, we should have 36K. I mean, I, I don't think that's really realistic right now. I mean, I, I kind of... Not at this point, no. Yeah. And I said on Twitter, you know, they should think about tarping the first half or the top half of the upper deck, and that's a little bit of, you know, maybe not being serious. But I think that would make the stadium look a lot more full. You'd move a lot of those, because if you look on that, um, on the west side, you still have a lot of people... Um, Sorry, this might pick up if I'm facing you, or, or I guess I can pull it. Yeah, out. you can turn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the west side, um, a lot of those people, like in Section EE on the west side, a lot of those, they're pretty high up there. So mm-hmm. if you move those people down a little bit, uh, just by having a tarp up there, they get a little closer to the field, the stadium looks a little more full. And it's, the capacity would still be 2,800 plus. And, yeah. You know, you can take off the tarp if... You go on a you know kind of a big run where you host ticket, a conference championship right, game. ticket sales go way up, right. or for that state game in twenty twenty five. Yeah, so, um, I think there's I think that's that's a good practical logical idea, and I think oftentimes you know Southern Miss does not operate practically and logically. Um, not that's not anything against the athletic department. I think there's just there's too much pride and right. you know, people saying, well, why are we tarping the top half? And you know for you know, there's, there's just. I feel like there would be too much pushback there. I don't think that would really yeah, be something, but you know, you would it would like, make a lot of sense. Yeah, you'd me. see a headline or like Bo Bounds or someone would talk yeah. about and say, "Oh, Southern Miss, they're losing fans because they have to tarp the upper deck." Yeah, fold it up. They're going to FCS, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there would, there would be too much of a, a response yeah. to that. Um, I did see somebody, uh, Blake Moore, uh, send me a, uh, or post on Twitter a picture of uh, the Arkansas State where they have a couple rows. Uh, Couple rows that are tarp. Mm-hmm. They looked okay. Had like their logo, and uh, UTEP is tarped for years. Uh, the Sun Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, some places, I mean, they tarp it so well that you don't really even really notice that it's tarped. Yeah. Um, I mean, you kind of Oakland saw that. A's. Yeah. I mean, you kind of saw that. Uh, oh, Oakland A's. Coliseum yeah. is always tarped. <laughs> Might as well tarp the whole thing. Yeah, but I mean, you kind of saw that last year. I guess 
NFL where mm-hmm. you had really limited or even no capacity, and you know, with nobody there, you just talked a bunch with advertisements, and that, it looked, you know, decent enough. So, I mean, that's just kind of a suggestion, right? You know? Yeah, um, but it, all things considered, coming off of a bad loss. You're playing Grambling State. Didn't think Grambling brought as, as many as they typically would or maybe a typical swag team would. Uh, four hours away, and that's kind of a – Yeah. It's not quite a Jackson State. That's that's or, that's true. That's a good but, point. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, so I, I thought, you know, it, all things considered, the atmosphere was, was good. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Crowd was good. And, you know, I, there are a lot of positives you can take away Spirit from that. Park. Spirit Park, yeah, popping. Um Feel like they're they're going the right direction with that. Uh, yeah, I just I, I just like that they're willing to change things. I feel like that's not been the case for a long time in you know just the administration at large, especially the athletic department. Um, and you know a big part of that has been because you know the same things worked for a long time, and you know things change so quickly that it's it's hard to go different directions, um, even in little things like, you know, you know, moving tailgating areas and, and things like that or tarping the stadium, you know, more drastic things. Again, don't think that'll happen, but um, encouraging to me to see a lot of those changes, um, you know, uh, received well and for them to work well without the student. Turnout was, was great. Yeah. Um, and, and expect similar, expect a better crowd uh, next weekend uh, need to check, check the hunting schedule and yeah, all say, that kind of stuff. So this but. week, State and Ole Miss were both at home. And then I guess Ole Miss plays uh, Tulane, but State's mm-hmm. at Memphis. I guess that's only a couple game for State. But, uh, you know, usually get a couple more fans if State or Ole Miss are off or on the road. So who knows that could get on the 100 more people. <laughs> 100 more people at the stadium with uh, sure. State on the road. So who knows. Yeah, so so big one. Um, we will break that down in further detail uh, later this week. That'll be out. Uh, that'll be out Thursday morning. We'll sh- that's the the deadline we'll shoot for. Hopefully, late Wednesday night. But um, follow us on Twitter. Obviously, if you're watching this, you are aware of our Twitter account. But if you were listening to this at Buzzardry Pod. Buzzardry POD on Twitter. Be sure to follow us. That's where we put out uh, all of our pertinent information. And we appreciate y'all uh, tuning in. Uh, we're going to talk about some of these other games yeah. this weekend. Yeah, let me pull up the. Uh, I guess we kind of talked about uh, Troy. Um, South Al, uh, I mean, I was a little concerned at first. South Al was mm-hmm. really struggling against the Bowling yeah. Green team that mm-hmm. I think most people think is really bad. You know, people that I listen to and read them so Bowling Green. Going to be one of the worst teams in FBS because they have, uh, golly, what's the guy? Um, Scott Leffler, I think, is their pick coach. Mm-hmm. And people are kind of down on him, but uh, they, they ended up winning and then kicked a field goal was at the buzzer. Um, so I think for South Al, they still have another game against Alcorn at home. Right. Um, so that would give them the three wins. I don't think they'll beat Tennessee on the road, but if you look at South Al, you're 3 and 1 in non con. You just have to go 3 and 5 in the Sun Belt to get to six wins. I think winning Bowling Green or beating Bowling Green. That'll get them to six wins. Yeah, I'll be I'll be shocked if they're not playing in a bowl game. I really will. Yeah, that'll be one of those games where they'll be in the, the Montgomery, uh, what's it, the Camellia Bowl. Mm-hmm. It'll be like the week before Christmas, and uh, 
You'll be watching South Alabama against Miami, Ohio on ESPN2. Oh, yeah. And love every second of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yelling at people on Twitter about how they think there's too many bowl games. Like, oh, you got to watch South Alabama and Miami, Ohio in the Montgomery Camellia Bowl. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, then I guess, you know, I don't, we talk about Alabama. I don't, you know, that we really need to break yeah. But just talking about all of our non-conference games. Uh, they won, so. Just like they do every other week. Latex, uh, Southeastern Louisiana. We talk, yeah, we, scared of them. Yeah, we talked about that being a um, a scary FCS opponent. Yeah, that's a that's a gutsy schedule. Yeah. That that really is to put them on your schedule. Yeah, but we talked. Um, Took Ole Miss to the wire in nineteen. Yeah, we've we've mentioned that. Yeah. Well, that's what we were saying last week that uh, Jeremy McClain was on the Inside Southern Miss podcast and, and kind of hinted at that Southeastern Louisiana would be on our future schedule. <laughs> so that's kind of. That's kind of the thing that keeps you up at night. Think about a 2024 game probably against southeastern Louisiana that you just hope we can, uh, three years, that's a win. So, but that's something to keep you up at night. Uh, right. Playing southeastern Louisiana in a couple of years. But, um, yeah, let me pull up the, uh, I had it up, the uh, USA schedule. Uh, UTEP, uh, you know, we kind of said that they were a little bit of a, a fraud maybe just because they had beaten two really weak teams to open up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd beaten uh, New Mexico State, Bethune Cookman. They lost about uh, 41 at Boise. Uh, WKU lost at Army. Um, it was 38-35. It was a game. Army's, you know, 100% had been improved um, under the current coaching staff uh, there. Um, Jeff Munkin, Tom Munkin's brother. Um, it's kind of funny thing. Just think about Jeff Munkin, his triple option guy. Todd Munkin, spread guy. Just kind of thinking... Same family, but the totally two two totally different uh, offensive schemes. Very different. Um, uh, Georgia uh, beat UAB fifty six seven. There were a lot of people on Twitter that were saying, well, "Yeah, UAB, they're blowing it." But I, I don't know. I think Georgia kind of reminds me of one of those early saving teams where. Yeah. And if you look at like the the roster, just pure roster, the um, team composite, talent team composite. On the uh, 247 sports recruiting, they basically break it down where they look at every player on your roster, how many stars they had, and basically make a rating out of it. Based just team talent based on your mm-hmm. recruiting. And George is actually number one ahead of Alabama, even um, ahead of Alabama and Ohio State. So, I mean, I don't know if George is the best team in the country, but I think they're probably top two at least, and they might have the best roster in the country. Yeah. So, I mean, I know, I know UAB wasn't competitive, but I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot of CUSA or Sunbelt teams or really any group of five teams. Maybe Cincinnati or some of the – maybe UCF or Cincinnati or something like that could be competitive in Georgia for a little while. I mean, yeah. Cincinnati, I mean, we saw what Cincinnati did last year. I think Cincinnati's a really good team, but I don't think any CUSA team is really going to put a bunch of a fight against a team that has, you know, 80% of your roster or four or five stars. I yeah, think that, really tough. I think a lot of lower-level lower, lower level FBS uh, Power 5 – Teams would probably lose like that to oh, Georgia yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Duke. Vanderbilt. Duke would be we'll a lot worse. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt won. Um, Colorado State. We'll see Vanderbilt and Georgia. It'll probably be about 56 7. Yes. Vanderbilt and, I believe, UConn play, play. in a couple of weeks. Um, Vanderbilt's going to win that now after Vanderbilt won. I thought I was going to be the uh, loser would go 0 12. I think Vanderbilt's going to go 2 10 with that being normally on the win. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not a bad, not a bad prediction. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to see if there are any other relevant games we FAU, should talk about. Uh, FAU, Georgia Southern, uh, thirty-eight. Yeah, pretty handily. Yeah, I think Georgia Southern 
might, uh, <laughs> they're kind of one of the schools that they got the quick hooked on uh, coaches. They'll get rid of you pretty quickly, and I think they're kind of upset with the coaching staff. Uh, Chad, uh, Chad Lunsford is a uh, the coach there, and um, that could be a possible move. I think they've kind of been underachieving. They're still going to bowls, but uh, I don't think they're where they need to be, and especially when you look at that's a big robbery. They're in App State, mm-hmm. uh, and App State's really come on here, so I think mm-hmm. they're going to try to keep up with Jones's uh Try to keep up that state. Um, uh, trying to think any other. Yeah, App State really should have yeah, beaten Miami. Two. I didn't see how that played out, but I was keeping up. I think Miami had a field goal. I think really it was late. a field goal, yeah. I didn't get to watch yeah, it. 25-23. Um, Rice lost big to Houston. Um, yeah, really, really thought Rice would play Houston better than that. Uh, Especially after what Arkansas did to um, right, right. For Rice, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of FCS. I mean, a lot of five games in either direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jack- Jacksonville State over Florida State. That's another. Oh yeah. Another yeah. block in the argument of of the non Super League uh, direction and all that kind of stuff. Well, I saw that FCS already has as many FBS, more FBS wins through just two weeks than they've had since 2017, I think. Hmm. So. Uh, I think eight, eight so far. I think 2017 they're running at seven. So uh, the FCS, uh, they're bucking their head for sure. Yeah, we we were we we were texting about this. I've I've you know seen a couple of things about James Madison. Um, if you don't know FCS program, um, that has been mentioned for. I've seen I've seen them mentioned for both AAC and Sun Belt. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I I think that that points more to that, and that would be the saddest thing to me uh, if James Madison goes to the AAC because I, I don't think they will. But who knows? I mean, maybe they will. I, I don't think they'll go. I, I think it's it's not out of the question to see them added to the Sun Belt if if they're still looking. Um, you know, you kind of you kind of uh, look at the top of the you know CUSA and and. Whatever else Sunbelt looks looks at um, when they get to the point of, of expanding or needing to expand, and you don't like what you see, I think James Madison wouldn't necessarily be a bad mood I mean, move. I, they've got better facilities than a lot of FBS schools have. Fan base than a lot of FBS schools have. That's right, and they've I mean they've consistently been you know at the top of, of, of FCS and For many and years. not just football either. Um, they've been competitive in in most of their you know, big sports. Made and it so, to the uh, Women's College World Series this year. Actually beat Oklahoma in the uh, first that's round. That's right. So. That's right. I think we're pretty close to D.C. I don't know how far. It's uh, in a town called Harrisonburg. Uh, yeah, I want to say I saw that, that they are technically in that D.C. media market. Probably so. That's, so. Yeah. Um, that's kind of AAC model. Get those, uh, right. big, get all those TV uh, eyeballs in there. Um, yeah. But yeah, them and uh, they're kind of like a, uh, in terms of academics, they're kind of like a grocery or a, a store brand, uh, William & Mary. I don't know if anybody's mm-hmm. really familiar with William & Mary, but they're kind of a, a public Ivy type. And uh, James Madison is kind of like the, the Piggly Wiggly brand of, uh, of William & Mary almost. But better in sports, which is yes. what most people seem to care about. Uh, most people, when you're looking at university, they work first. And uh, James Madison, they've been at FCS power for years. Yeah, so I, I I think their name probably will continue to come up um, 
again, I think that would that would be uh, a crying shame. I don't, I'm not sure I would ever get get over that. Uh, a lot of the stuff I'll never get over, but you know, kind of <laughs> gotten to be numb at this point. Um, so, um, I think that about talk about covers it. What else we? Quiz uh, Watkins. Yes. A yeah, a couple a couple of good showings. Some Mike Thomas had a reception. Jamie Collins had a fumble recovery. Yep. Um, so, a couple of guys uh, do, do some things. So. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I guess uh, Nick Mullins was on the practice squad for uh, Indianapolis now, right? Or for the Browns. Brown, sorry, Browns. Yeah. Uh, Which, that makes sense because uh, yeah. he was just the um, Stefanski system who came from Minnesota which was the Zimmer system, which is kind of the same as the San Francisco, kind of the run-first, kind of Kubiak-type scheme. So it makes sense to pick him up. Yeah, and I, and I think he'll I, – I really do feel like he will at some point in the season probably be added to a roster. I don't think he's 100% uh, healthy from the surgery he had in the offseason, at least in didn't look like it in the preseason. I uh, still think he has some football to play. Um Nunez Rochez, I believe, had a couple of tackles on Monday night. Yeah, I forgot about him. Um, that is, you know, one of the best fronts, defensive fronts in the league. Um, and he's, you know, sees a lot of PT there. So. Yeah, there's also some that were just talking about how he's kind of a big part of the depth of that, uh, mm-hmm. that team. They brought, you know, they brought everybody back from that Super Bowl team last year. So. Everybody. That's right. But. Yeah, so we appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, I think that covers it. I think so. Anything else? Okay. That's about it. All right. So one and one heading into the Troy weekend. That is a huge, huge game. Again, we will dive into that one in further detail later this week. We will keep do we you... get uh, Do we get any questions? Uh, no end? questions. Oh, wow. Which we didn't. We need to start telling people to ask questions. Yeah, we need uh, to do like a like a listener mailbag type thing. Yeah, we, we do. We start taking questions on our midweek uh, midweek shows. So yeah. Hey, if you thing. if you have any questions. Um, or just anything to say to us, feel free to direct message us on Twitter uh, or tweet at me or Patrick, our personal Twitters. We would love to have some more stuff to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let us know. We will do this again next Sunday after the Troy game, and, again, we'll have a recorded episode out late Wednesday or early Thursday. We greatly appreciate you listening and tuning in live Uh, This has been Buzzardry for Patrick McGee. I'm Ben Milam. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.